on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, usually on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Not today, though. They had Yankee baseball on. Yankees just uh, finishing a 12-1 win over Tampa Bay, by the way. But usually you can hear us on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, perhaps listening on the ESPN app. That is a terrific way to take in the program wherever you go, whatever you do. Except the bathroom, that's kind of gross. You can take us with you on the ESPN app. Just download that app, hit the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and off you go. Here's how you get in touch with the show today, 437-7644, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line to get in touch is 288-0644. These are all terrific ways to fire off the hot takes. That's hot. Bring them, baby. We're ready for you. On this Thursday, as we get closer to Syracuse and Clemson, it is a noon kickoff on Saturday over on Brostat TK99. Our pregame coverage right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Bright and early, baby. Starting at 9 a.m. and postgame to follow with uh, the one and only Seth Everett. So, game day coverage all day long. The game on TK99, noon kick on News Channel 9 as well here locally, right there on Channel 9. We have two guests that will join us today to help us preview that Syracuse-Clemson matchup. One is right here in this hour, a Grace Rayner from the Post and Courier. She's on the beat for Clemson football. What's been the reaction since the Trevor Lawrence announcement? Will it galvanize the team? Is there still a little tension amongst the team? Now that Syracuse gets to hone in on Trevor Lawrence, can that, I hesitate to say this because let's not forget how good he is, but will that help Syracuse in a way how is the revenge factor played this week as these players and these fans remember last year? We'll talk to Grace about that right here in this hour in about 15 minutes. At about 5.35, our weekly chat with the head coach. Thanks, Brent. You know, Babers coming up. It is presented by Empower Federal Credit Union. Lots to discuss with Dino. Now, I can kind of reveal this now because we're going to air the interviews soon. I was in the room. When Dino got the news that Kelly Bryant was transferring from Clemson and Trevor Lawrence would be locked in as the starter. So what you will get is Dino's kind of immediate processing the news reaction to this. Now, 
I'm a member of the media. Coach is great. We always enjoy our chats. He's very forthcoming when he can. He's very open and honest when he can. But I'm still the enemy in a way, right? I'm still the media. So I don't think he wanted to show all his cards. But rest assured, when I saw him, you know, reading the phone and getting the news, you could kind of see the wheels turning there. Like, okay. And then you start thinking about last year, who was the quarterback that came in for Kelly Bryant. He's not there anymore. It's all freshmen and redshirt freshmen, you know, on the roster now with Kelly Bryant transferring. And you could just kind of see the wheels turning there. So is Syracuse up to the challenge, as we'll discuss here, not only on the show, but with Dino himself. Hot takes, as usual, possibly on paper anyway, the best Thursday night football game we've had between the Vikings and the Rams. And I know what the Buffalo Bills did to the Vikings this past Sunday. The Bills make me wanna. Did you guys see that? Did you guys see, did you see that? The Bills pulled off one of the greatest upsets in NFL history. Did you guys catch that one? Just in case you didn't. That was like five days ago. In case you didn't see that, Bills beat the Vikings this week. Yeah, that happened. Uh, I would anticipate that the Vikings will rebound tonight, but Thursday night games are weird. Sometimes you don't get good quality football. In hot takes, we will discuss how the NFL just continues to kind of dig in on this roughing the passer rule and how NFL players are basically being asked to defy gravity, which I believe was a song in the musical Wicked, right? I got that song in my head now, and so do you. So there you go. I do want to start, though, with Syracuse and Clemson as they start to lock in and will travel there tomorrow and Get ready for what is a noon kickoff and just how much this team has grown since the last time they had to do this. Because you think about year one, Dino Babers comes in. It was kind of a, an interesting time for Syracuse football. They had come off the Scott Schaefer era. Mark Coyle is the athletic director here for about five minutes, but in that five-minute span got to hire Dino Babers after a search that brought up names like Scott Frost, who now is at Nebraska. Things aren't going so well at Nebraska, but I'm going to give Scott Frost pardon me, the benefit of the doubt that he's going to turn that thing around based on what he did at Central Florida, what kind of coach he is. But people were all in on him. They didn't get him. Chris Ash was another name that came up and came up prominently, and it was a name that was on the list and a name that people felt Syracuse had an opportunity to get an Ohio State coach. He goes to Rutgers. Rutgers is a grease flyer right now. And the Big Ten is, has to feel like they're kind of, you know, the little brother that they brought in that they just kind of have to, you know, when your mom makes you take your little brother along when you're hanging out with your buddies. Ah, oh, Mom, come on. You take your brother with you right now. My mom actually used to make my sister do that when I was a kid. And... I loved every minute of it because I was hanging out with high school kids and got to see things that I probably shouldn't share on the radio, right? Because, you know, you're supposed to keep that stuff secret. Although I ratted out my sister when she had a big party back in the day. You know, I got bribed. What can I say? My mom bribed me with like a G.I. Joe or something. I spilled the beans. It happened. But I don't know how I got here from talking about Chris Ash and Rutgers. Oh, yes, little brother analogy. But anyway, that's not going so well. Dino Babers comes into Syracuse. And he has defeated Clemson a year ago. 
defeated Florida State this year. Mind you, a down Florida State team, but it's still a win that shows progress, shows significance, shows the changing of the tide, shows a ACC that is just, you know, throw all the names up in the air, and other than Clemson, you don't know where they're going to land this year, the way things are going. The Virginia Tech win, that first sign, a ranked Virginia Tech team that at the time was averaging 40 points per game, comes into the Carrier Dome and gets beat. But one of the low points, one of the wow moments, one of the nothing went right that day moments in the Dino Babers era was the first trip to Clemson. Eric Dungy got hurt, what, seven plays into that game? Syracuse lost 54 to nothing in Death Valley. And you really, at that point in time, said, this is how far they have to go. Clemson had just kind of reached its, I don't even want to say, I don't even know if they peaked, right? But they were really, it's like you're, you're climbing Mount Marcy and, and like you can see the summit. Like you're, we're, we're there, man. We can see that. All that work, all the sweat, all the tears. And I'm thinking of when I climbed Mount Marcy last summer and barely survived it. My wife and daughter did it like it was a walk in the park. And I, I, I like stumbled across the finish line. But that's neither here nor there. But Clemson two years ago was like, okay, this program is knocking on Bama's door. They're making playoff runs. They're clearly taking the baton from Florida State as the premier program in the ACC. And we were saying it then. It's like, hey, it's a new coach. It's a new program. But it's a measuring stick, right? You're really going to see how far you have to go. Well, it was 54 nothing, and Syracuse just got its butts handed to it that day. But then a year later, they defeat Clemson at home and have added these wins and were competitive against Miami and LSU a year ago. And we come full circle now, and most people are saying, doesn't mean most people are right, it just certain games settle into a narrative, and they settle into where you feel you should be. No one is expecting Syracuse to go to Death Valley and beat Clemson. If you are, I admire your confidence, but they are nowhere near that. But what people are expecting, and what I think is a fair expectation is, well, it won't be 54 nothing again, that you will go there and be a respe- and have a respectable showing, that you will be competitive, that for entertainment purposes only, and I know that phrase is you know on its last legs, but... For now, it's still not legal to bet in in the state of New York on sporting events. People are flat out expecting Syracuse to cover whatever line you got it at, 20, 21, 22, 23. And I think that is fair to say, all right, listen, Clemson's really good. Trevor Lawrence got named the starting quarterback and forced Kelly Bryant to transfer for a reason. The minute that kid's eligible for the NFL, he could be the number one pick in the draft. He's one of the great quarterback talents in all of college football. You don't go to Clemson and take the starting job in four games unless you are really good. And I worry about the matchup between Lawrence and the Syracuse secondary, as we'll discuss with Grace Rayner coming up in just a few minutes. That Clemson defensive line, perhaps you've heard, is one of the best to take any college football field in the history of college football. And everything we've heard about Clemson. But Syracuse at least has it in their head this time. They didn't know what to expect last time. But this time they're like, look, we can match up with this team. We can be physical with this team. We're not going to have the crowd on our side this time. We're not going to have X, Y, and Z from last year's win. But what we do have is the knowledge. Okay, it is not 
belief without evidence. It is not faith. Okay, it is credible knowledge that we beat this football team. Now, how do we overcome the issues that plagued us two years ago? If Eric Dungy, God forbid, does get hurt again, now you have Tommy DeVito. You now know that are you going to win every battle in the trenches? No, are you are not. But you won enough last year to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We pushed Clemson around. That defensive line overwhelmed the Clemson offensive line at times last year, hence why how they got to Kelly Bryant. So Trevor Lawrence may be that good, and he may be able to pick your par if he has time, but the way this pass rush is going, they have to have the confidence to say, you know what, we're not going to get to him as much as we did against UConn or maybe DeAndre Francois, but we can get to him. We can make enough plays to make this thing swing our way at times. The offense has to be feeling great, not only in execution, and I think losing Ravian Pierce is going to be something that I'm as curious as anybody to see how they overcome that. But what tricks have they left in the back? Having Eric Dungy as a quarterback and what he brings to the table, and okay, what can they show Clemson that they haven't seen yet? So this is another measuring stick game. Two years ago, everybody gave Syracuse a hell of a lot of slack and said, let's just see where we're at here. This year, this time, this trip to Death Valley, it's more like, I think they're here. I expect A, B, and C. Now let's see what happens at noon on Saturday. Let's see how far they've really come. Let's see if they're really ready to knock on that door because college football is weird. It presents opportunities to you that you earn, that you have put in the blood, sweat, and tears. I just think of that great Bill Parcells NFL Films clip. This is why you lift all them weights. This is why you put in all that work. And then there are things that have nothing to do with you, like the ACC just being in a complete just spin cycle right now. And if you keep taking care of business and you keep winning games, if you are competitive against Clemson, you're going to find yourself in the AP Top 25. You're going to find yourself, at least in the conversation, to play in the ACC championship game. You're going to find, whoa, they might win nine games here. Like, now we're talking. This is not a game that swings your season one direction or the other. This is not a game that defines your season, but it is a measuring stick. They have made tangible progress since two years ago. And how they perform on Saturday, and I'm not saying they have to win, I'm saying how they perform on Saturday is going to show us exactly where to mark the tape on that ruler. 437-7644, that's the phone number. Brent Tax Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. We will talk to Grace Rayner coming up from the Post and Courier. She is on the beat for Clemson and can tell us all about this Tigers team first. We're going to get some diamonds. We're going to get some dogs. We are going to talk to my man Lee Baldwin from Lee Baldwin and Company on the block. Lee, how you doing, man? It's great to be on the block, Brad. Lee, I have a question for you. So I know you're Uh-oh. going to give us some diamonds and dogs. I'm curious, though, when there is something like today, a big Supreme Court hearing, it takes all day, people are just all in on this thing, can that affect how the market moves? Uh, you know, I think people's uh, attention, uh, yeah, I think it can. And I think... Uh, 
um, you know, maybe it shouldn't but like that, but I think it can. So uh, the ta- the tape got pretty quiet this afternoon. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, things must have slowed down a bit when that when that thing really heated up. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah I was so just you curious. Do see that when big storms come, like different events, that kind of like you, you get a little preoccupied. So. What do we got today, diamonds and dogs? Well, our diamond today, tech stocks were strong today. So our diamond is Amazon, which is trading uh, within 30 bucks of its all-time high. It's over $2,000 per share. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. So they are on their way to world domination, Mr. Bezos. Our dog is another retailer, Bed Bath & Beyond, which is down 20% today. Uh, so this is really a tale of uh, two cities, two stocks going in different directions as they pass each other in the night. Wow. That, you want to talk about the world we live in today, you know, exactly. a, a brick and mortar versus Amazon.com, which, like you said, I think within two years is, is going to brush your teeth for you at this point. <laughs> They're doing the everything. We're going. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate it, buddy. You got it, Brent. LeeBaldwin.com is the website. They've got offices in Casanova and Utica and can take you down that path for more diamonds than dogs for your portfolio and all your investing needs. LeeBaldwin.com. Let's break on that note. We'll learn more about this Clemson Tigers team from someone who's right on the beat. You're on the block ESPN radio. This is on the block with Brent X. Welcome back on the block presented by Burdick Toyota. You know, it warms my heart as we hear more Bruce Springsteen coming back. Uh, I was informed via Twitter today by our friend Julian Wiggum that he was stopped on the streets of Syracuse, uh, specifically Marshall Street, and was scolded by somebody for not knowing who Bruce Springsteen was yesterday. Now, it's one thing if you don't know that song. That's kind of like, you know, deep in, you know, on the list of Bruce Springsteen songs, I don't know if that, that cracks the top 50 of those that you would know, right? Like, Bruce fans know that song. But Born to Run? Like, how do you not know Born to Run? It's it, That's amazing that he, he, at some point in life, didn't come across that. So whoever you were, sir or ma'am, I believe it was a sir, who stopped Julian on Marshall Street today and said, how dare you? Good for you. He's got to be shamed into these kind of things. Good for you. Maybe with that fancy open, let's hot take this thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. CC Sabathia was ejected from the Yankees-Rays game today. It was his fifth career ejection, and that would be notable on its own because it doesn't happen that often, but it's more notable in this sense. By getting tossed out of this game, and he got ejected in the fifth inning for throwing at and hitting a catcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. The inning before that, the Rays, Andrew Kittredge, threw at Austin Romine's head. So, of course, you get the warnings. The umpires come out. They're on guard. Sabathia throws at a Tampa player's head. Now, by doing that, CC cost himself a $500,000 bonus because had he gotten through the seventh inning, he would have earned a bonus in his contract that gave him that much money. Sabathia's pitch count was only at 55. The Yankees were leading 11-0, so it was probably time 
to pull him at some point. But listen, I don't care how much money you make. Half a million dollars is half a million dollars, kids. And to get half a million dollars basically just uncashed because you threw it at a dude's head. I hope it was worth it. That's hot. Speaking of the Yankees, uh, so Luis Severino is going to pitch the regular season finale at Boston, meaning he probably will not pitch in the Yankee wild card against Oakland. He has been their best starter, 19-8, and 8, 220 strikeouts, 3.39 ERA, 1.14 whip. When you are in trouble, you must whip it. Uh, J.A. Happ will pitch Friday in the opener of the final Yankees-Red Sox series, which you would think is meaningless. And you would think wrong because Uncle Brent's got a couple bets on the line for Yankees-Red Sox. On the line in two separate wagers that were both proposed to me at the beginning of the season. One from my boy over at Pasquale's and the other with uh, the great Catherine Kramer of Syracuse.com. On the line in this Yankees-Red Sox series, and it's still up in the air, are two, count them, two bottles of beverage of choice for the winner. Okay, we're not talking about like a a Diet Coke here. We're talking about a a fine beverage of, of adult consumption. And lunch at the choice of the winner. Those are two big bets that Uncle Brent wants to win. So listen, Boston. It's all on the line this weekend. It's Yankees-Red Sox. It's not just let's get through the end of the season. It's let's not just stay healthy. Let's just coast through this thing because we've already won 106 games. And we're well on the way to postseason success. But let's save our best pitchers and save our best. No, Alex Cora, you have all hands on deck. You have everybody ready to go because Uncle Brent wants to get his drinky-drinky go to lunchy on. Okay? That's hot. And I just said that. Oh, yeah, I just went there. Drinky-drinky, get my lunchy. I just said that. Yeah, I did. Deal with it. This is really cool. So this is a league that's up on trends, that's up on digital, that's up on the world we live in today. And just an easy way to make a lot of money. And I think this is going to work. It's not going to be a huge cash cow, but it's going to be good enough that you're going to say, why don't other leagues do this already? I think the National Hockey League will jump in. I think... Major League Baseball could figure out a way to do this, and certainly the NFL, they're a little more hesitant to do this because they don't have to, but here's what I'm talking about. So I've mentioned this before, but now it's like locked in and they're ready to go. So the NBA and Turner have announced that fans will be able to purchase a portion of an in-progress game to watch. This is the first time it's been an option, and it becomes available after the third quarter. So essentially... For a one-time fee of one ninety-nine, you know, per game, you can buy the fourth quarter. You can buy it at the start of the quarter or to watch the last 30 seconds of an NBA game. Said uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, it's a big moment, but it's also a small first step. And they want fans to eventually be able to buy any part of any game. But let's be honest, the, 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 the games that build the buzz on Twitter that people come to that maybe they weren't watching are the fourth quarter. And you don't have to buy the package and get all these games that you don't want. It's like buying a song on iTunes. 
This is the on-demand world we're on today. You put an app on your phone. Most of them are free, but some of them cost you a couple bucks, right? People don't think twice about this stuff anymore. It's the digital world we live in today. I subscribe to a few different websites, the Boston Sports Journal, The Athletic, uh, these digital subscription sites now. It's like four bucks a month to get this stuff. I give them my credit card number. I forget about it. But now I have the instant option, given the digital world we live in today, like, man, pick a game that's not on TNT or ESPN, but it's turned into some kind of crazy game. Something's happening. A record's going to be set. People are buzzing about it. Like, oh, man, that game's not on TV. Boom, two bucks. Let me see the fourth quarter. That is a brilliant idea. Not that it's essentially the NBA, but that other leagues are going to look at this and say, now we've got a chance here. And it serves me. We live in a society today where attention spans wane. I don't necessarily want to watch the whole game, but maybe I do want to watch the fourth quarter. Maybe I do want to watch the last three innings. Maybe I do want to catch up. I was watching Netflix doing something else. I get on Twitter and I say, oh, wow, that game's awesome. I wish I could watch that game. Well, now you can, but not the whole thing. They don't make you buy the whole game. You could just watch, in this case, the fourth quarter. This is brilliant. This is serving the world we live in today. It's recognizing that you have a fan base that will buy season tickets, that will buy the package, that will watch whole basketball games, right? But then you realize that we live in a world where people's attention spans wane quickly. Keeping my 12-year-old, almost 12-year-old, next week, not this week, she's getting there. Keeping my almost 12-year-old engaged in something sometimes, I feel like i got to do a dog and pony show, right? I mean, it's sad in a way, and I'm not saying that about my daughter specifically. She'll kill me if she heard me say that. But uh, the generation she's in, that you, sometimes like you've, got, you've really got to make it worth their while just to pay attention to something. But that's the world we live in today. Things move faster. Their brains process things faster. They just move on to the next thing, right? So for the NBA to recognize that and see that and say, yeah, you want to watch fourth quarter of a game you're not watching and it's a game you want to see, we can do that for you. That'll be $2. It's not going to be a huge boon for the NBA. Billion dollars. I don't think so, Coach. But not only is it a great moneymaker, it's serving your audience. We recognize you might not want to watch all of that Clippers-Grizzlies game, but if something crazy is going on, now you got an option to at least parachute in and out. It's only the fourth quarter. It's only 10 minutes, and then I'm done. How you choose to spend your money to do that is on you, but that's hot. that is flat-out brilliant, and I applaud the NBA for doing it. So the NBA, uh, uh, pardon me, the NFL put out a video trying to clarify this roughing the passer penalty. What it shows is specific examples of what was called this year and why, they did it because they wanted to, quote, ensure consistency in officiating. Already this year, 34 roughing the passer flags through the first three weeks of the NFL season. That is more than double this point a year ago. Now, Clay Matthews has become the poster boy for this because Clay Matthews, the last two weeks, particularly last week, week three, made football tackles that he was penalized for. Textbook football tackles. But because the NFL has put more of an emphasis on things, in some cases, by the way, rules that were in the books, they just didn't really, you know, emphasize. Like the 
the the weight rule that we've heard so much about that people are like, what do you mean full body weight? What what are you talking about? That's actually been on the books since like 1995. But what you're doing is, so you have professional football players that have been trained for years, even in the last few years, on how to adjust by not leading with the head, by not only to, for their own safety concussion-wise, so they don't draw penalties. Going at high speeds, playing a violent game, and now you're just completely changing how they do it during a season. You cannot replicate this in the offseason. You cannot practice this. This is game speed stuff because practices in the offseason, you can't hit the quarterback. If you're Clay Matthews, you can read about this till your eyes bleed. These are the new rules. This is the technique. This is what you have to do. There's a difference between doing this on a tackling dummy versus a live human being in a football game. And if you saw the play with Clay Matthews last week, it was an NFL tackle. He went out of his way. You could see him even in the half second he had to recognize this. Went out of his way not to lead with his head. And they still flagged him for it. And by the way, this whole thing, I I have a simple question for Troy Vincent, who is the head of the, the committee that put out this video, and Roger Goodell and anybody else that wants to get in on this. Ed Hockey Lee, you flex your guns and you tell me. How do you tell an NFL football player to defy gravity? He put his full body weight onto the tackle. Well, what's he supposed to do? You are at the borderline of two-hand touch is where you're at, which is if that's what you want, if that's what you want football to be, then let's just say that. Let's go to two-hand touch, or maybe we'll start with flag football and then go to two-hand touch. But this is what you're saying, because defensive players – are thinking too much on the field. They're getting flagged for things that they shouldn't. A lot of common sense has been taken out of football, and people are getting frustrated. Now, NFL ratings are still high. NFL profits are still high. The National Football League is still king. What I have said all along about this, though, when it comes to whatever you want to throw in in the discussion, the national anthem controversy, the concussion thing, right? Owners and their growing greed in the sport. I mean, just throw all the ingredients in the jambalaya here. This will be death by a thousand cuts. This will not be some big boom moment that will make the NFL go away. It's a slow process. It's more mothers not allowing their kids to play football and the talent pool slowly but surely draining, right? It's more people finding other things to do. It's the rise of other leagues and other entertainment options. And I do not have to watch football on a Sunday. Now, the NFL has done a good job in countering the tide in recent years with things like the Red Zone Channel. And just there's there is still nothing like an NFL Sunday when it's really hopping and there's great games and the discussion that comes out of that. But more discussions are happening about the league becoming more and more soft with everybody agreeing like, okay, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing what we did in the 1970s, but what can they do? It's still football. They should still be able to hit each other somehow. Like everybody that's playing this thing has signed off on the fact that this is a violent game and people could get hurt. They didn't come into this like, what? What? You didn't tell me that. And this rule is ridiculous. They are over 
calling the sport. They are over-regulating the sport. By the way, not only are they giving defensive players too much to think about, they're giving officials too much to think about. And this is just the latest example of it. And I don't understand what you expect defensive players to do. They cannot defy gravity. Sorry to tell you, Roger Goodell, they can't do that. So I don't know how they're going to figure this out. You can put all the videos out you want, but they better put a little common sense in this because it's getting more and more frustrating to watch. What do you say we break on that note? We will talk some more Syracuse Clemson coming up. Speaking of football, there's actually a pretty decent Thursday night football matchup. I can't remember being more excited about a Thursday night football game, actually. And we'll hear from the head coach, Dino Babers, all coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.